Hello everyone, this is Meaning What? I'm Matt Wiseman. Uh, it's been two weeks since we got together and just wanted to give you an update on a few things that have been happening. Always very busy. Um, Joe Biden is the nominee for the presumptive nominee. We still have to make it to the convention, uh, which who knows what that'll be in person. The reason this is so is because Bernie Sanders has dropped out. Um, I'll have a note on that later and we'll discuss. Uh, next, Tara Reid, the allegations against Joe Biden. It's been finally covered by the mainstream media and this time it was the New York Times. Guess what, there's problems with it. I don't know if that was surprising, probably not surprising. And lastly, we're gonna do a COVID-19 pandemic update. So exciting, so exciting. We're gonna cover all these things. All right. So let's start with first Bernie Sanders is leaving left the race. There's talk that oh, Barack Obama was behind that, and that this whole time, you know, along with the consolidation behind Joe Biden, that Barack Obama was this behind-the-scenes mastermind. Although he never officially endorsed Joe Biden, not early in the primary, not when he decided to run, um, not even when he was the presumptive nominee and he was against Bernie. But now it seems that he's been pulling these levers, he's been offering people backroom deals, and that he's basically been the campaign for Joe Biden. Well, isn't that great? You know, Barack Obama still has, oh, Joe Biden not just has the Obama glow, he has the Obama support, uh, even if not officially, um, until today, actually. So the, the neoliberals in the establishment Democratic Party, the corporate Democrats, the new Democrats of uh, Bill Clinton, they are the established Democrats. They run the Democratic establishment and they have for 40 years. They're the ones that silence any opposition. They're the ones that get everybody to fall in line. Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, uh, Steny Hoyer um, in the House, and you have uh, the Chuck Schumer. And so all of these leadership, they're the ones that have been there that have been pushing that, you know, uh, John Kerry and um, Lieberman, who I think became a Republican, but. They all are kind of Republicans anyway. They're 1980s Republicans and they're running the Democratic uh, Party. And uh, Chuck Schumer has this famous quote. Um, I don't know if it's 2017, it could have just been before the elections in 2018, where he says, we're gonna move to the right because all of this anti-Trump vote and we're going to, for every one person we lose uh, in Wisconsin or Ohio, we're going to pick up two in West Virginia. And so this is a concerted strategy to move to the right. And let's be very clear, the establishment Democrats have, the corporate Democrats, they 
have really no issue with Donald Trump except his decorum. All of his policy positions, you know, mostly support their way of being. There's really no significant difference. And if you're going to make a distinction, it's going to be about how vulgar and blatant that Trump's GOP pro-corporate ideology is versus the more subdued, more controlling, more manipulative Democratic establishment. So it's not even two sides of the same coin. It's really the Republicans' game, and the Democrats have been part of that the entire time. It's, it, as a, Anand Giridharta says, we are all playing in Ronald Reagan's tent. His ideas are the ones that are proliferating. And that was confirmed officially with Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was the first Democrat to fully distance himself from the FDR roots of the Democrats, the worker-centric, poor-focused uh, roots of the, the Democrats, and court Wall Street and court big business, a way that the, the GOP has always done. And so we want them to be progressive. We want them to be socially accepting. We want them to be uh, financially progressive and inclusive to all people. But that's not what the Democratic Party is. And it's not what they've been for a really long time. And part of that initial wave, the New Democrats, the neoliberals, was Bill Clinton. And who was right there next to him? Who was in the House when Bill Clinton was in the White House? Joe Biden. The reason he's still here now is because he was always in line. He is anointed to take over the throne. This is a plutocracy where certain people are, role, are deciding what happens in this country. And to think that we still have a democracy where we can elect representatives and those representatives will actually be servants to the people is totally ridiculous because we have money in politics, because we have all this corruption, because we have you know, the the legal corruption, if you will, you know, and Trump's not wrong to bring it up. We need to hash that out. And if the mainstream media was interested in the truth, as media's in existence is contingent upon, they are truth-seeking organizations. They need to report the facts. They need to try and limit any kind of bias or um, subjective narrative and framing that they want to put around things. But lately, we've seen the mainstream media, you know, the Washington Post and Fox and Vice and um, the Huffington Post and Politico and the New York Times and, of course, Fox News. We've seen them all show, show their bias, show their subjective framing. And that's not, that's human. That's why you disclose bias. That's why you can disclose financial interests. That's why you disclose these things, because that is a human thing to do. When you talk in your voice, you give bias to whatever you say. I'm biased. I support Bernie Sanders. I support democratic socialism. I support democracy. I think it's vital. Um, and I support free speech. Now, these are things I'm not going to waver on. But I'm disclosing those to you. I always disclose those to you. When you don't, you're manipulating your audience. When you do, you allow your audience to respect to be able to account for your bias. That's a vital difference that'll come up in a little bit. So next, the, the endorsements. Bernie supported um, 
came out and supported Joe Biden and said that we should support him too. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, a lot of people are comparing the video where they did a live stream together as a hostage video and that Bernie in his terse way was not really excited about Joe Biden and didn't really want to do these things, but he thought it was best for the country. Sure, he's always been part of the Democratic leadership. He's always been nice to them. He's always turned the other cheek when they've hit him and debased him and his supporters. He's taken up against his own supporters and asked us to be nicer, even though the rhetoric around us was framing, was spin. And even people within his own um, campaign senior advisors, David Sirota, Brianna Joy Gray, they have said they will not support Joe Biden. They've actively said it. So these are hardcore Bernie supporters. These are people that believe in him. I believe in him. And I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden. You couldn't pay me to vote for Joe Biden. Joe Biden's done nothing for us. And he intends to do nothing more for us. This is about the whole shift to the right. They don't want our vote. They've done everything to shame and to conjole and to berate all of the progressives in this race. They haven't moved to the left, even though that's where the majority of support is under 45 and maybe even 50 years old. And they just dismissed us all because people over 50, 50 to 65, 65 and over, they've all come out in droves to support Joe Biden. Okay, well, what happens in four years? If you don't want to include us now, and you're really double downing on on this neoliberal ideology, and yeah, you have support, and maybe that's a lot of anti-Trump support, and maybe they've been watching all the mainstream media because they don't they don't stream and they don't listen to podcasts and they don't um, they don't watch uh, alternative media on YouTube or whatnot. That's totally fine, but that's not the future. You are literally holding on to vestiges of the past with old ideas while you continue to marginalize huge portions of the population, huge portions of your electorate. You know, maybe progressives are 30% of the of the Democratic electorate. And, and with everybody that actually we brought along, you know, some Republican, the populist Republicans that were gonna vote for Bernie, some populists uh, from the independents, and whatnot, we we were going to be a huge boon to the Democratic Party. They're not coming along. They're not supporting Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, even though Barack Obama uh, endorsed him today, after months and months and months of this game, um, Bernie supporters are very active in saying never Biden, that this isn't going to happen. You know, our vote is our leverage. And I encourage everyone to vote their conscience vote their heart and vote who has agreement with your policies but don't vote as against anything because if you're voting against trump and they can give you anything at all in the world and what happens then you know it's going to be this whole game of you're going to vote against you know the lesser of two evils you're going to vote for unity it's not unity they don't care about us they don't do anything for us we don't owe them anything so when they make concessions when they put our people in power, when they set us up to take the reins, then we can consider them as serious players and making serious concessions to us. Until that happens, 
our objective is to kill them, to end the Democratic Party as we know it, period. They are the number one enemy to any progressive. We need to take their party and we need to get them out of office. They shouldn't be leading this country and they shouldn't have a say. And the mainstream media has been very complicit in this. So that gets me to uh, my next topic, Tara Reid. New York Times yesterday actually published um, and released it on Easter, uh, the uh, article about Tara Reid. A few problems with that. They released it 19 days after the allegations came out. 19 days. When Brett Kavanaugh had some uh, opposition, they had two days, a two-day waiting period. They had 19 days that they waited to release this information. 19. If anything, Tara Reid's claims are more valid and credible because she told um, contemporaries at the time when it happened, she filed a police report and she had told her boss. And even though people might not remember that they told their boss, they remember that she was punished and she was kept away from them and taken out of any kind of managerial responsibilities. Um, and she's put into a closet. This is a woman that was sexually assaulted, allegedly, and she was put in a closet. And that's confirmed. That's all confirmed. And what does the New York Times do? They downplay it. She's one of seven people to bring allegations, seven women to bring allegations against Joe Biden. And then there is recorded evidence of him touching and groping little girls and babies inappropriately for years. Video evidence, mainstream news evidence, photographic evidence. So you don't have to believe the testimonies, believe your eyes. He's been oddly close to these girls. And they even mention it in the New York Times article. And guess what? After a call, which we found out today in a new article by, uh, by Ben Smith from the New York Times, interviewing Dean Paquette, who is the executive editor of the New York Times, they, they changed the headline. They said, you know, you know this allegation from Joe Biden against Joe Biden by Tara Reid, who most people don't even know, um, is out of line. And, you know, he had this history, which he's apologized for, for some inappropriate conduct. It's like hugging and kissing uh, young girls. It's worse than that. It's just worse than that. And Deepakhet admits that they made these edits because Joe Biden's campaign reached out to them and said that they didn't like what it insinuated when they said that. So they made the edits in the headline. So they're actually taking their news reporting from a campaign, a political campaign. They're not supposed to support either of them. And they're not saying they do support either of them. So there's clear bias and there's no actual disclosure of this bias. And then when they make the edits, they don't print a correction with the original article to say, we edited this. And Dean Paquette's example of a reason why they didn't put a correction is because nothing factually changed. They reframe the, the article upon request of the, of the person that is accused of sexual harassment and they don't disclose that. They have to have a whole nother article from the investigative team about the controversy because they were so, they mishandled this so much. And I said this to a friend earlier, being able to point out your corruption and your, your lack of credibility and your lack of integrity 
and have that, that doesn't give you more credibility. It's about trust. You betrayed the trust of the audience. You didn't do your research. You framed it in a particular way. You made false equivalency with Donald Trump and his allegations against him. Um, and then you dismissed it. This is a woman's life. And Joe Biden is supposed to be the next president. And even if you believe that he should be or he shouldn't be, it doesn't give you right to change your framing because you uh, you know want to protect the, the nominee. No, you have to be holding to the truth first as a reporter or else you have no integrity. And what's the point anyone should listen to you? I really want the New York Times to just implode or to have some staffing changes. There needs to be a reaction both from the audience and within the New York Times establishment. This is not okay. They are not credible. They're not. You can't be biased to any particular political party and then not disclose that and make edits to your work that is not disclosed and then you know still have the audience trust. I don't trust the New York Times. I will trust some reporters, but when the editor themselves are corrupt, I don't know. I'm going to try and find different sources. And I'm going to think twice when I read their articles. But I know a lot of people are canceling their subscriptions. And good. They're not credible. They're not viable. COVID-19 pandemic update. It's been over a month. Saturday Night Live did a not live show from home where they recorded a bunch of things on Zoom and they made these jokes. Tom Hanks was the uh, the host. Well, he wasn't in any scenes. He was just introducing it. <laughs> That's kind of ridiculous. And um, Chris Martin, uh, he played a Bob Dylan song. It's just... People haven't left their homes unless they have emergencies for over a month. And we should have been doing this for almost two months now. Um, it's a scary time. And we have to assume that it's worse because we don't have any studies that we're doing. We don't have any results about COVID-19. We don't know. The personal protective equipment is not here, is not coming. And um, testing, testing, they're only testing people with symptoms, even though they know that people that are asymptomatic are spreading it. So we're just rolling the dice here. We're at the mercy of the virus. Um, the administration has been totally corrupt, trying to war profiteer, encouraging people to war profiteer. The, the president of the United States has interest in some treatments from a French company for um, chloroquine, which is a malarial drug, and it doesn't work, but he's pushing it. And some people have died trying to make their own. So 
that's what we're all living with. People die. People are dying. And it's, it's horrific. What's more horrific is going to be the economic recession and the economic depression that will follow. And there's no way to avoid that because it's been mishandled so badly now. So let me talk a little bit um, about Denmark. Denmark did a study and they found that they that the people that are infected in Denmark are it's at a much lower rate than they were considering. It's like um, 0.015%. I don't know exactly the the rate that they found out, but it was essentially as on par with a strong uh, epidemic of influenza. So you that's not enough reason to close down their government. And so they're going to reopen schools and they've had, um, that's the lethality rate. So it's not 20 times stronger than influenza. It's like a strong version of influenza is what they discovered. And so they're going to take their chances and they're going to reopen schools and try and get back business back to normal. I'm sure that the U S would love to do that. You know, um, there's been socialization. The, the, the government of, of Spain has socialized all the hospitals to keep them up and running and in at maximum efficiency. Um, there's been a lot of socialization in the UK as well. They already have the NHS, so they own all the hospitals. But uh, it's, there's been this big push to actually get everybody covered. And the US has doubled down on the rhetoric of keeping the private market um, the free market fundamentalists in the administration here in Donald Trump's administration are are double downing on this. They're they're exploiting their their position. They're trying to make money off of it. They're trying to make money for their friends and other executives, and they're killing Americans because they are not producing at the speed that needs to be produced. The Defense Production Act exists for a reason. We've seen these failures happen before. We know they are failures. We do not have to continue down that road. But we do anyway. Why? Because our administration believes wholeheartedly in neoliberal ideology, which has been proven defunct and trickled on in economics has been rejected, not just in academic circles, because that's been for at least a decade, but in the popular circles as well. In fact, Donald Trump's nomination and eventual successful candidacy for president and his presidency hinged on the rejection of neoliberal ideology, the rejection of global trade deals, and the securing of our borders. These are the things that got Donald Trump in office. And now he's not doing any of those things. I mean, the xenophobia with the borders he's doing, and. He's trying to, to believe that, you know, he's still in a trade war with China. And so there's all of this warmongering going on in Iran and, and Venezuela and, you know, the support of Brazil and, uh, and Bolivian far right. That's all the U.S. and that is all under Donald Trump. But they originally called it the China virus, trying to push their agenda with messaging and blame um, China for this virus. And of course, China's done the same thing and said this was invented in the US CIA and there was a lab. All of these false narratives to try and use spin this politically. Um, 
but they actually stopped saying the China virus or the Chinese virus because a it's racist and it's wrong and it's stupid because viruses have no nationality. But in addition to that, China was the only one supplying personal protective equipment. We can't get our companies to to make it, even though people have come to to President uh, President Trump and they've said we're going to make it, and he he. Uh, allotted them and said that the private market is so great because they're coming to us and they're going to make things for us. It's so ridiculous because you know the GE workers are threatened to strike because the um, GE was going to make ventilators and then it was going to follow through. It was going to fall through and then the the workers had to say we're going to make ventilators. And Haynes had to come up to the president and say we're going to make cloth masks. And they're all going to make it at a profit. This isn't about selling things at cost or helping the American people. It's about profit. It's profiteering. The Truman Commission during um, the the uh, the post-war efforts under FDR was established to actually root out corruption and put these people in jail for doing the kind of things that the administration themselves are doing. War profiteering, and they're encouraging it. And this is why our recovery is going to be slower than other places because we're not doing the necessary steps on a federal level, both not supporting people economically. We're just putting band-aids on on the um, the the stock market economy, the public uh, corporations, and it's costing trillions of dollars. You know, Germany has one twentieth our size in population, and they spent. Twice the amount of we spent just supporting their people. There's been these mandatory, like you know, the percentage people keeping keeping like, keeping people in their jobs and keeping them employed, so that when things do restart, it'd be much faster. Because onboarding people and getting them ready to work costs money. Hiring costs money, and if you're firing everybody and you're laying them off, you're not gonna be able to just. Turn the key and start the engine again. It's going to take a lot more than that. So we're looking at significant hardships because of the pandemic response, and there's a push now. Of course, there's a push to reopen the economy because the economy is bleeding money. We are falling behind. Well, we will fall behind. We have not played this right. We have not done what needs to be done. We have rejected any kind of socialization. Or community efforts,、um, and President Trump has taken no responsibility. He took the federal、uh, responsibility, which you know, number one is for the safety of the citizens, and he abdicated that responsibility on the federal level and said that this goes to the states. Jared Kushner had a press conference where he said they can't have our federal stockpiles. That's ours. They need to have their own. What's the federal government for? Is there another mythical place called the federal government, where it exists outside of the states? No, the federal government is the collection of states. They are supposed to be the one voice amongst the fifty. And governors are scrambling, and governors are competing for bids to buy masks. And the federal government's actually scalping those、uh, bids when they win, when the shipments come in. The federal government's taking them, seizing these shipments. They're guaranteeing. The benefit of the few over the many. In a very real way, they are willing to kill many Americans 
so they could have a reserve put aside for the few. This is the America we live in now. This is the United States of America. These are the people in charge and this is what they care about. There, there's a, there's this um, gentleman by the name of uh, Joshua Kahn Russell and he talks about this time, this crisis as a point of apocalypse and apocalypse meaning the lifting of the veil where all things are revealed. Um, so the truth is being revealed. The veil has been lifted. These people give no shit about any Americans and they're gonna do everything they can to benefit themselves at the stake of every American, at the stake of the future of America. And actually the neoliberal and the, the corporate ideology of making profits is always short term. So they have no long-term plan. They have no way to secure us six months out, a year out. They have no idea and they are not thinking in those terms at all. And even respected doctors like Dr. Fauci have to watch what they say so they don't upset the apple cart of Trump's fragile ego and what he's saying and his messaging. These are scientists. They should be running the show. And instead, he has politicians and business people running the show. Not economists. Not, not scientists. Nepotism and this kind of elite entitlement is going to kill us physically, but also what this country stands for and what this country is. <music> Lastly, um, Bernie Sanders' campaign, both in 2016 and this time around, uh, was important, very important to me. It allowed me to believe in politics again and that there is hope in fighting for change. It's inspired me to do this podcast. Um, it's inspired me to do a lot of things. And uh, his legacy is, is, is vital. And it, it, I want to say thank you to Bernie Sanders. Thank you to Nina Turner. Thank you for all of these warriors and these people that actually finally spoke to something that this need that people had and they didn't know how to articulate. I hope that the future holds organizing and holds pressure upon the, the, our federal elected officials and our local elected officials and that we get real change in this country, including Medicare for All, the Green New Deal, and uh, environmental justice. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me, uh, my show, Meaning What. Please give a thumbs up, a like. Um, and if you could share with one person, you'd be doing me a world of good. Hopefully you find this entertaining and insightful and it makes your day a little better, maybe brighter, maybe just allows you to see easier. Um, I certainly know that there's a lot of hard truths and there's a lot of... Um, confusion out there and I hope that I could help you with that and allow you to understand things a little better what's going on maybe be more informed in your choices so yeah please 
please get the word out and I'm gonna keep making these uh, it's Tuesday hope to have another one out by next Tuesday thank you again Thank you.